G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast uh, Round 4 Preview Edition on this uh, lovely Thursday morning in Melbourne. Um, before I go any further, just want to say a big thank you to all our listeners. Um, we're picking up a few more of you and it's great. And uh, look, if you listen to us and like us, please spread the word. Um, but we're going all right at the moment. We uh, cracked the top 10 of the iTunes Sport Podcasts charts this week. I think we got up to nine, so we advanced one spot from the previous week, but uh, very gratifying. And uh, as I said in a tweet last night, we're not one of the big boys. We haven't got big uh, media corporation backing or, or massive uh, corporate monoliths tipping thousands of bucks into this, so uh, it's much appreciated. We like to think this is the footy podcast for the little guy, the battlers. Not Howard's battlers, but footy battlers. So thanks very much. Um, and on that slightly self-indulgent note, I say a very good morning to my co-host, Mark Fine. Good morning. We sound like we're from Wollongong and have bits of paper stuck on our face where we cut ourselves shaving, wasn't it? Isn't that how Norman Gunston portrayed himself? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't shave enough, really, to do, bother with that. But, uh, yeah, if you like, if you like. Um, go on. Sponsors. Oh, yeah, no. Sponsors. Burgers, please. Best. Yes. Melbourne. Yeah. Yep. 80 years. Celebrate their birthday this year. Not with a cake, but with the best burger in Melbourne. Um, you cannot have a top 10 burger list, speaking of top 10s, without Andrew... Featuring at the top of the list, normally rated number one in Melbourne. Why? Andrew's Hamburgers address. 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. Why? Because you start with the buns and the meat and the cheese and some lettuce and tomato, and you don't need to go a million miles from that, do you? No, you don't need kale. You don't need uh, quinoa. You know who needs kale? Uh, Essendon. Essendon. Yeah. He, he might be back this week. Uh, incidentally, just on Andrew, someone did tweet me during the week a picture of a footy and a bag with an Andrew's hamburger in it. And I'll give you that uh, pic to show to the boys down there. But um, someone Beautiful. said they listened to our podcast and it made them go to Andrew's for a hamburger. So that, can, you, can you get any more direct advertising success than picking up an Andrew's burgers on the way to the footy? You and can't. believe me. You'll be best served. And if you want to build a house anywhere in the southeast of Melbourne, I would go to Nick Spartels and Hardwick Co. The Hardwick Builder is, to the stars. Well, Heppel, Sheehan of the Mike variety, and Pendlebury of the Scott variety, amongst many other very... Look, they are top-end builders. If you're in a city southeast of Melbourne and you want to improve your house or build a house, then Nick Spartels and Hardwick are the building company for you. All right. Now, in a a very quick, pithy grab, what do you make of of round three, and uh, what are you looking forward to in round four? Uh, Two big stories for me out of round three, and that 
the number one story was you do not need to put an asterisk next to last year's premiers as some sort of aberration. A West Coast proved their mettle, and I think everybody, including the not the doubters or the naysayers, but the oh, maybe we've got another team in a cycle of unlikely winners, Bulldogs, Richmond, West Coast. West Coast have got some sustainability about them. Great win over Collingwood. And Essendon and Melbourne, it was supposed to be a knockout blow for one of the clubs. Well, I certainly didn't pick the club. And Essendon showed that a little bit of confidence in that team is worth more than at any other side. It's They've got all the talent there. And you just saw McDonald, Tip and Woody and Fantasia, amongst others, a little self-belief, and that team actually can fly up the ladder. And a really good game ahead for them too. Uh, an unexpectedly attractive game, Essendon-Brisbane at the MCG on Saturday because it's a good test for both sides. Of course, the Lions probably, in some sense, the story of this season so far. They've been absolutely superb. And uh, another round chock full of big games, crunch games too. North Melbourne and Adelaide, both pretty disappointing thus far. A Western derby, of course, and the build-up over there apparently is massive, as you would expect. This is—is is, is, is that game? Does that game's interest levels hinge on whether or not Fife comes up? Because you just can't make a case for Freya without it. Uh, well, it, yeah, in a competitive sense, maybe, but uh, just the spice given to it because of what happened last time, Andrew Gaff's hit on Andrew Brayshaw, um, that's been bubbling away all week, so it could be a fairly feisty, it could be um, could be the feistiest one since the demolition derby back in, uh, what was that, 2001? Can I buy into that, that pre-game attention to Gaff and Brayshaw? Yeah. The reality was that that was an aberration from Gaff, so unlike anything he'd ever done in football, and almost as shocking to him as it was to Brayshaw, that you can be sure there'll be nothing like it again. He and Brayshaw, he, he approached Brayshaw in the hours, let alone days after the game, to put forth a heartfelt apology. There's no bad blood between the players and there's no sense between the teams that this is something that'll carry over. Fair enough. Maybe for the media there is. Could be uh, could be famous last words. Won't well, be. All right, let's get straight into it. On Footyology, Newsfeed. All right, well, the main stories this week have been uh, pretty on-field focused. Um, safe to say the biggest story has been Dustin Martin and the various... Uh, incidents and resolutions he's been involved in. So the the wash-up of all that, um, suspended for two weeks initially, and then, of course, the Tigers took it to the tribunal, had it brought back to one, um, fined $7,500, $5,000 of that suspended till the end of 2020 for the gesture towards Shane Mumford, and also fined $1,500 for striking Matt DeBoer, the man who did such an effective tagging job on him. So it uh, it sort of bubbled along all week, really, didn't, uh, didn't it? What did you make of the whole thing? Um, the suspension being reduced two to one. Well done. They made a, a valid case. And the, um, uh, the uh, rationale, the... Uh, Severity reduced from uh, medium to low. Yeah, I think fair enough. 
I must say, I saw the. Um, I didn't see it till afterwards, actually, but the uh, what people were calling a precedent last year, Tom Mitchell on Todd Goldstein. Did you see that one? Similar sort of thing, um, right off the ball, Mitchell running past Goldstein and gave him a bit of a whack. Well, he didn't get uh, suspended for that. So, but we did have a night of nights to protect at that point in time. Well, it's pretty early in the season, actually. I think it was round five. Um, so I'm not sure we knew Tom Mitchell was going to be winning the Brownlow medal. But um, just on that, I, I argued yesterday, I did a Q&A thing for Sporting News, for whom I work. And um, I wonder if the precedent thing should really be held uh, as a standard beyond the season we're talking about. Because I think standards change. And you can say, well... How much has standards changed between 2018 and 2019? But I think it's an ongoing thing. And I think I, I have noticed year upon year upon year, the tolerance for anything, anything at all off the ball is less than it was previously. Do you agree with that? Uh, we, The focus of what is suspendable now really has been honed, hasn't it? Because we don't have... Uh, there is a, a a growing duty of care from player to opponent now. I, I, I really believe that we've come to a point almost where the game's pretty clean, sort of yeah. in, in intentional matters. So when somebody does something intentionally, I'm quite comfortable with it being policed strenuously and maybe more strictly than it had been in the past? And more so the further away it is from play. I mean, that's what I think. I, I, you know, the, the the further the ball is away, the less excuse you have for doing anything, don't sure. you? And, of course, that was all... Those waters were muddied for many years trying to rationalise the decision that allowed Barry Hall to play in the 2005 Grand Final. Correct. Because that was deemed in play. And for years, the hangover from that was... Uh, rather than make the whole system look set up, too much was considered in play when it clearly wasn't. I still don't know how they managed to argue that successfully. When Neither it was Barry Hall. He's, he himself says he's shocked that he got off. I mean, it was how far off play was that? Was it like at least... 70 metres. Yeah, I was going to say 50, at least 50. Um, you, you've got a bit of a bee in your bonnet, though, about the fine for the gesture to Shane Mumford. Now, it was 7,500 with 5,000 of it suspended, wasn't it? Yep. That is virtually nothing. That's regardless of what Martin earns. I actually think he should have got suspended for it. I've got a song for us at the end of the program that I now think in songs because of you. Yeah. Where's your head at, Dustin Martin? Do you know that song? Uh, uh, I know. Uh, who is it? Is it Zombie Nation? Yeah. It's one of that genre. It's one of those Where's genres I don't listen to. Where's your head at? Where is his head at? I mean, here's somebody who's not in great form. Mm. And he's... You know, making a, a snort, you know, snorting drugs um, si- signal to another player, to Shane Mumford. Yeah, but she, you get suspended for being stupid. Yeah, um, it's. Jeez, a lot of footballers are going to get rubbed out. It's a it's a, a public show that is that makes it difficult for the player involved or to move on. Um, it makes Dustin Martin drugs and jewelry. And it brings to mind very quickly the saying of glass houses and stones. I, I just, you know, it, it's 
It's boorish. I, I just thought it was uncalled for. Mm. So on what, what would the charge have been well, that merited his suspension? Well, remember we had that incident. Remember we had that incident with Des Headland's tattoo? Yes, and uh, Scott Selwood? Was it? It was the Selwood, yeah. yeah. Uh, Scott Selwood? I think or? it was Scott, yeah. Okay. At West Coast, yeah, it was Scott. And it was deemed to be personal and, you know, uh, beyond beyond the fair boundaries of sledging an opponent. Yeah. And since then, I think we've really expected players to show not sensitivity, but not to personalise their attacks on their opponents in an outward manner or, or a manner that would be distressing to the opponent. Yeah. Should we demand that from footballers? Yeah, you know we should. And you know what's taught me that? What? Watching and umpiring women's football, where there seems to be a highly competitive game being played with none of that personal attack or angst. So I've seen men's football developed develop also almost in line with the better sportsmanship shown by the ladies or the girls. Mm. And we've noted this year that players are noted off ball to be talking to each other in not like the olden days, you know, mm. in terms of personal attacks, but rather, you know, if the if the game's not on I can talk to my opponent. Well, this is just this is not in keeping with where we're heading. And, I, yeah. and I like the way we're heading. I, yeah, no, no, fair point. I'll just play devil's advocate, though. So if Martin had said to Mumford exactly the same thing that he said, which people effectively lip-read, without the gesture, would you still want him suspended? Because the sum total for Mumford is exactly the same. It's just not publicly visible. No, no. The public, the public display takes it beyond the realms of a matter between two footballers. Okay, so then, sorry, I'm, I'm, I am devil's, playing devil's yeah. advocate. So then why is any racial or religious vilification okay if it's something just said, uh, not okay if it's something just said to a player of which the public isn't aware? Because there has been a, a move, an, an official... And by, sorry, sorry, just before anyone has a go at me, I don't think that for a moment. I'm, I'm just saying... I'm trying to argue an inconsistency in your position. No, because there has been an official and worthwhile stand taken by the AFL over years, including an Indigenous round, including a round now that, or a game, St Kilda Sydney, that recognises uh, choices in uh, gender and sexuality yep. and a push for understanding and equality there. So there is a, a public... Publicly, the AFL has taken a very strong stance on no racial vilification and no vilification on the basis of sexual orientation. So we cannot and we rightly make the football field absolutely a no-go zone there. A little bit more difficult having a legal drug tolerance round. You know, (laughs) it's it's a little bit more difficult dealing with, you know, um, the the message that was being conveyed by Dustin Martin. But basically what Dustin Martin's saying is, or what's he saying? Is he saying to the world, Shane Mumford, you're a, I, I accuse you of using illicit drugs. I'm so against it that here is my signal to the world to say that I'm, you know, how dare you have done it. 
Does Dustin Martin really put himself in that world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. It's I, odd, isn't it? I think that crossed a few minds. Uh, okay, so uh, bottom line, one word. Uh, what length suspension a would week. you give him? A week. Yep. Okay. All right. I just want to bring up one more quickly. Now, North Melbourne, very disappointing start to the season, zero and three. Uh, Massive game for them this week, uh, taking on the the Hawks, Adelaide. Um, Brad Scott has been feeling the pinch this week, and this always happens. You know, the coach of the side that's seen to be performing... Below expectations of most, cops the heat. So there's been several stories about it. You know, should time be up for Brad Scott? Been there 10 years, blah, blah, blah. Uh, interesting one yesterday where he basically came out and said, we may have erred by playing too many of our new players in the one hit. Um, which is interesting, actually, because I remember his brother Chris saying exactly the same thing. On Sorry, he didn't say we erred, but he did comment for the first half of... 2015, when um, uh, Danger got there and uh, who else? Lockie Henderson, Reese Stanley, and there was another one as well. But they played like... Danger wasn't there in 15, was he? Uh, wasn't he? No, I don't think so. Or was it 16 I'm talking about? Anyway, uh, several years ago, Chris Scott talked about the difficulty of having a group of new players come in and having them gel. So now his brother's sort of feeling the pinch um, I, I've been asked a few times about Brad Scott. I, I, I'm a fan, and I think uh, I just feel like people maybe are being a bit harsh on North. The same people that consigned North to the bottom two last year now suddenly expect them to be finals bound, and they're suitably disappointed. Now, I sort of feel in one regard you can't have your cake and eat it too. Um, I was a bit more bullish about North last year than most. And I was very bullish this year. I put them in my eight. So I'm disappointed as well. But I don't know. Is I guess what I'd ask you is that that issue he talks about, picking too many new players in one hit and having trouble getting them to gel, is that a coaching issue? I suppose it is. It's a coaching issue getting them to gel. But it's the old, you can't pull your socks up if you don't have any. So people might say you shouldn't have played them all at once, or he's observed that, except for the almost ubiquitously quoted Paula Hearn as why hasn't he been playing? Mm. Okay, so three weeks, they could have played a Hearn. Yeah. I can't think who else comes. You know, Anderson is only now available. He'll come straight into the team. Mm. Uh, Jacobs is not available. They were playing Vickers Willis, but he got, he got injured. injured. I, I think people have. Do under- they have that many players? No, they don't. To and, play? and to that end, I think people have underestimated the toll taken on their backline by the loss of Majak Door, who's become integral to it, and also the fact that Robbie Tarrant uh, went in underdone after a hmm. shoulder injury pre-season. Yeah, their depth isn't great. Yeah, I'm not sure they're, they're exactly. I'm not sure that there's the depth there. Uh, I saw Larky play in the pre-season. Mm. I also saw him last year top the VFL goal-kicking with about 30 goals, so it wasn't exactly a thunderous amount of goals. He's a developing player. He's tall. He's, I don't think, AFL-ready yet. Mm. Now, the question is, maybe he, ahead of Tom Campbell, made some sense, because I don't think Tom Campbell has worked as a second forward, which he's basically been playing. When do Ruckman ever work as a second forward? In an attempt to give Ben Brown some 
breathing space. Mm. How about the Ben Brown discussion? He's come under enormous attack for not laying a tackle. Wayne Carey's been scathing. Um, do you uh, what what corner are you in there? That Ben Brown's a, a good player out of form, or has never been an all round player. Uh good player out of form and look not everyone's going to be a tackle machine and uh, perhaps that's as much a reflection on the uh, lack of performance of their small forwards they're the ones who should be exerting the bulk of the tackling pressure I would have thought oh look Brown he's not a he's not a sort of traditional powerhouse key forward you know he doesn't take big pack marks he's more you know he's mobile and he gets out in the lead and and that's how he does his damage I mean that's what Nick Rewald did too, really, wasn't it? I mean, Rewalt could take a pack mark, but he was basically get out in front. I yeah. think that's what Brown does. Um, and he's not being helped by the efforts of those further afield. Yeah, it's a, it's, look, it's an interesting mix that they've got. Their midfield's been bolstered, but not at the moment improved. I, look, I, I just think people have got really short memories. Now, Brad Scott's been there a long time. This is his 10th uh, season. He has, um, people say, you know, he survives on the fact he got him to two preliminary finals. But th- that was a massive effort both those years with lists that weren't that great, to be honest. Um, he's made finals beyond that as well. And last year he took a side universally consigned to the bottom two to ninth spot on the ladder and within a hair's breadth of a finals uh, appearance. So... Um, I reckon he's still got some credits in the bank, but you know, I'm not. That's not to say the pressure isn't on. It is a massive game for them against Adelaide because if they lose that and they're zero four, there's just no coming back from there. I mean, my worry with them is that they've got too many players, as I described them, career, career footballers. footballers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We've named them. Do we? I don't need to name them. But no. I, think, I think they've recruited a couple as well. I, I think every club has its share of career footballers. I reckon if we went through the list of every single club, I reckon I could name half a dozen blokes who appear to be happy just to be league footballers and team success is um, an added bonus. And none of well, us... Well, it's fair enough that they come under the spotlight when yeah, the yeah. team's not succeeding. Well, none of us as supporters want to see that, but unfortunately, the more football becomes a workplace... And the more that younger people are less emotionally invested in football as fans, and now I'm talking about players, um, that's what you're going to get. It's, it's you know, for some of them, it's like working at Maccas, albeit an exceptionally well-paid drive-through Maccas job. I think we should get on with it. On Footyology Media Watch. Okay, uh, we're often accused of being a little self-indulgent, um, in this segment, so uh, warning, warning, this one will come across as extremely self-indulgent, but I wanted to address this finally because I've had people continually um, asking me via text, via Twitter, via Facebook, via you name it, uh, why aren't you at SEN anymore? And I did make um, a comment a few weeks ago, which was sort of, I was a little bit whingy, I suppose, about lack of communication. Um, anyway, it, uh, obviously, it's good to know people are listening to the Footyology podcast because uh, Craig Hutchison and Damien Barrett do the Sounding Board podcast, which, I've got to say, quid pro quo here, is a very good podcast, always very interesting. They talk about the media a lot as well, but Damien Barrett threw up 
Um, he didn't throw up. He threw up the question of my tenure at SEN. They played what I'd said about it, and um, here is Hutchie's response. Hutchie, bit of for, fun to start with, Damo. For a couple of weeks, we've had people uh, emailing us and, and asking us to address the question that involves Rowan Connolly's former employment under under your watch. And again, some audio was sent to us today. We, we'd better address it right now and give you the chance to explain something that our listeners want you to. This is Rowan talking about uh, a lack of communication when he was uh, not required under your station. Yeah, I don't know if it is really. I, I mean, last Doesn't time I me. last time I checked, it was part of civil discourse that if you were sort of not using someone, you actually answered an email or a text or a phone call. That's Rowan Connolly on uh, Footyology, Hutchie. Very well, good, very point. good podcast. We're, and we're at the point now of responding to other podcasts, are we? Yep, we are, Hutchie, because it involves you, and I want you to explain why you didn't tell Rowan he was no longer required at your radio station. Well, it's not actually true. What's well, what people are asking me to ask you? Oh, are they? Who, who's asking? They. They. You, you've, de- you've decided to ask it. They. Show me one. Show me one person that listened to that lots podcast. Of, lots of questions <laughs> about this, Hachi. Uh, I'm glad that Rowan's got another gig. So I think he's at Three AW, isn't he now? He's over at the back at AW. Yeah, Macquarie and Macquarie. So Rowan had a role with the previous SEN and then into our new era as a fill-in. So he would. Fill in on shows, and you heard him do shifts at the first half of last year at different times when people were needed, and that was great for him and good for us. And then the first I knew that he wasn't open to doing that anymore was when I saw him announced as the host of the cricket show on Macquarie over the summer. So I agree with Rowan about the heads up. Well, I didn't feel we got it either. So there you go. So I wish him well and good on him for. The uh, I think it was the Roco show, was it, on Macquarie, which was before our cricket coverage on Macquarie. So we provide the big bash to Macquarie Sports Radio, and he was on before us, which is good for us as the product provider afterwards. Yep. But All yeah. right. We've addressed it now. Stop emailing us in. Okay. Um, we could go on like this all season, couldn't we? This is my response to the response. Um, no, look, I... I'll... Since when do we respond to other podcasts? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we're above them in the charts at the moment, actually, finally, so maybe we should lower ourselves. Um, but, uh, no, look, I just I want to deal with this now and just sort of not have to talk about it. Now, I appreciate Hutchie saying I'm glad he's got a job or whatever, but Hutchie, what you said there, um, as you said of me, isn't actually true. Now, here is exactly what happened, and yes, it's indulgent, so bear with me. I promise it won't come up again. Yes, I worked at SEN. I was there for seven years. Uh, loved it. Loved every minute of it. Um, didn't want to leave. You know, loved working there. It was fantastic. So we had the Croc uh, merger, in inverted commas, with Pacific Star. And um, the new sort of regime took over. And at the time, this is the start of 2018, uh, I was doing a fair bit of fill-in hosting over summer. So I obviously, like everyone else, wanted to know what was going on, and I appreciated they were pretty busy. So I did email Hutchie at that point, didn't get a response. I thought, okay, that's you know, fair enough, he's under the pump. So I let it go. Eventually, I had a meeting with Sam Thompson, the content, content director at Croc Media, and it was a really good meeting. She said Jay Mueller was there too, and he'd just come aboard at Croc Media, no longer there. Um, but... She said, uh, we want you to be the number one filling guy. And I said, well, what does that mean? She said, well, it's basically filling in for hosts when they're on leave or sick or whatever uh, to be a fair bit of work. And I thought, okay, well, that 
that sounds great. You know, I really enjoy hosting and I thought I was doing an okay job and the feedback was good. Um, yeah, fantastic. I'd love to. So I did, as Hutchie said before, I did. I did a fair bit of fill-in hosting. February, March, right through April. I think Andy Marr was off for a few weeks, so I did his show. Uh, I did some of uh, the morning show when uh, Jared Waitley was away in South Africa. Um, and it was terrific. It was great. <clears throat> so that finished up, and uh, they said there should be a whole lot more work coming up in July when people go on holidays again. I said, fantastic. Okay, so uh, in the meantime, I'd been doing Friday Night Football on SEN in 2017 and Sunday Preview. I wanted to be involved with the footy, so I kept emailing saying, what's going on with the footy? Couldn't get an answer. A week before the season, I finally found out, well, no, you're not going to be part of the footy coverage. Now, that was disappointing, but, you know, their, their call, and I thought, okay, fair enough, at least I got the fill-in hosting stuff, and I was also doing the wash-up an hour on Friday nights. Um, so that continued. Anyway, July came up, and I heard nothing, and uh, I thought, what's going on here? Uh, no one got in contact with me. Uh, eventually, uh, I spoke to Sam Thompson, and she said, oh, they're going with someone else because um, this other person bought a lot of sponsorship into the station. So as a show of faith, um, he's doing the uh, fill-in hosting stuff. And I thought, okay, well, perhaps he could have told me that, you know, so I could have uh, circumvented the shortfall in my revenue over July, but uh, I just sort of copped it on my chin, moved on. Uh, So basically all I did last footy season was an hour post-game on Fridays. That finished up. I got an email from Tristan Fernanda, who was, uh, I can't remember, they've got 5,000 executives there. Tristan's no longer there either. Um, he emailed me and said, thanks for the wash-up. It's really good. We'll be in touch. And I said, oh, that's great, because I'm really keen to do more hosting stuff. Didn't hear anything. Went away on a holiday, came back, still hadn't heard anything. Got to November, and I thought, look, I've, I've really got to work out what's going on with my future here. I've got a plan. So I tried to get in touch with Sam Thompson, finally got Sam, sent her a text saying, look, I really need to know what's going on. Sent me a text back saying, we're doing a review right now, someone will be in touch within the next few days. No one got in touch, didn't hear anything, um, no work. And then about a month after that, um, I got uh, got a text from someone at Croc Media saying, and they've taken over the AFL record saying, would you like to write a column for the AFL record next year? I thought, yeah, great, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So he went off to Tim Cleary, another one of the executives at Croc Media, ran it by Tim, came back to me and said, yeah, Tim reckons great. And I thought, fantastic. And then several weeks went by, heard nothing, text of a guy and said, what's going on? He said, oh, mate, we're all busy, you know, can't, uh, you know, it's not nothing personal, it's just we're so busy. And I thought, okay, I can see where this is going. And, of course, nothing happened. So between grand final night, which was the last time I did the wash-up, and uh, got to early December, I heard literally not a word from something. Now, the thing about what you've said here, Hutchie, if you end up listening to this, which you probably will, I emailed you three times during the year, no response. I tried ringing you several times, no response. I tried texting you several times, no response. Each of those occasions I said, look, I know you're busy. I'm just trying to find out what's going on. So don't then turn around and say, well, I didn't contact you. Mate, I was waiting like 10 months 
to try to get some indication of what's going on. Now, you can employ and unemploy whoever you like. It's fine. All I wanted was to know what the hell was going on so I could plan my bloody career. And I think for you to turn around now and say, well, you know, it's same, same, you didn't contact us, is really disingenuous. And it brings me to a broader subject, which is there's far too much of this going on in the sports media generally. I've compared notes with several other people about this. I've had it happen to me in another forum, a uh, online media company I was working for did the same thing. I had an arrangement with them. The new season starts, you don't hear from anyone, and it's sort of like, oh, what's going on there? Oh, well, actually, we're doing something else. You know, like a phone call or a text or an email takes you 30 seconds, and it's just basic civility. Now, apparently, there's a concept called liquid modernity, which uh, talks about how all the old social structures have broken down. There's no loyalty from in, in any arena, in employment, in a social setting, in marriage. No one feels the same bonds of obligation to other people or institutions that once propped up society. And this is apparently the way society's going. Well, I've got to say, I'm not a fan because in my world, call me a dinosaur, if someone is trying to contact you, you actually give them the courtesy of contacting them back. So yes, when Macquarie Media rang me and offered me the Roco show, in the end I didn't bother telling you I'm from SEN because as far as I was concerned, I was no longer employed there. And frankly, if I've spent 10 months trying to contact you and you can't be bothered sending me a 10-word text saying piss off nicely, why should I contact you? So that, sorry, that dragged on a bit, but that's basically what happened. And I was privy to your frustrations during that period. So if I was called to the stand to give evidence, I would be able to... (laughs) Give evidence. uh, Yeah, I I would be able to uh, verify virtually all of what you said. All right, let me ask you something. Okay, so I know a lot of people are aghast that you ever left SEN and they lament the fact you're no longer there. And uh, they lament the lack of what was a fantastic evening show. We all know you did it really well. Now, I know for a fact that you weren't necessarily accorded the courtesy that you deserved after having done that job for 14 years either. Unfortunately, Rowan, I've just realised that I did sign a an agreement with a redundancy package that prevents me from talking about the circumstances of my... Um, uh, departure? Departure, because it was a redundancy. Did you have a conversation? Have you spoken to Hutchie ever about this? No. No. Are you okay with that? Um, look, I, I, it doesn't bother me in terms of being personally affronted because I took a redundancy package and I signed off on that. I just would have liked the opportunity, maybe before signing that agreement to make my case because I think my case was a, a valid one and I actually was looking forward to work. You see, my time at SEN was fantastic. I was a full-time employee there from day one. But for most of the time, I was under management that was supportive but not didn't have a, a sporting ear. Mark Johnson was my program manager and he, I thought he did a really good job. But 
he's not a sports person per se. And I just thought that the opportunity to work under somebody like Craig, who, you know, having listened to his show on a Saturday morning. Off the bench? Yeah. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed and sort of featured him humorously quite a bit. You know, I th- yeah, I th- we both did, didn't we? Isn't it interesting how when you're not under the employ anymore, you suddenly disappear from that um, segment like you don't exist? Well, they can't really play <laughs> my highlights if I'm not there anymore. But but I just felt that it was somebody that had a, a similar sense of sports broadcasting that I did, sort of um, uh, an eye for detail in terms of sports facts, but good irreverent sense of fun. So mm. I thought he was an opportunity to You work. certainly get a different side of him on that show. So I thought he was a real opportunity to work with somebody who, or for somebody, who would more appreciate what I was doing. And I would have liked the opportunity to put that case forward, but it never it never occurred. So, look, I, I don't, um, I never say never. I just say maybe, I don't know, if, if, if ratings count for anything, I, I, I'm, Maybe I'm an eternal optimist, but I think I must still be in the mix because just go back and look at history and maybe then I'll get that discussion. Well, you wouldn't you wouldn't be the only person who could claim that. Um yeah, look, I mean I, I just I'm not I'm not trying to go whack, whack, whack here. And I really respect what Hutchie's done in terms of building that croc media empire. It's phenomenal. And as someone who's sort of trying to get a, a foot in the the door, so to speak, in terms of media uh, operations, you know, it's it's bloody hard, and and I think he's done a wonderful job. But I, I don't think that needs to come at the expense of basic courtesy. And I, and is and he is he too? Has he got not too many, um, too many interests? Because that is part of the growing concern that is Croc or Pacific Star. That's their that's their stated aim. But has Maybe he got too much to be for you to expect a personal answer, or for him to give a personal answer. Is this the sort of thing maybe a, a PA or or uh, somebody within his office should be well, some, handled? I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how they set up their executive structure, but there seems to be a lot of people in that sort of middle management bracket, and ultimately it's sort of handball, handball, handball. No one sort of seems to take ultimate responsibility for it, and so people are just allowed to slip through the cracks and you know i'm far from the only person that this sort of thing has happened to and i'm not just talking about croc media i look finding i've since i left the age and it's been now coming up to two years the amount of stories i've heard from other people who are now freelancing and just get treated shabbily like this it's just it's no good and and that liquid modernity I'm talking about I think we as a society you know one of the best things that we could achieve is just to I don't know try to become a bit more compassionate and a bit more understanding you look at footy coaches we're always talking about you know it's all about man management now and having that bond and whatever why can't employers sort of show that as well you know, I don't think it's too much to ask. And in your case, it wasn't too much to ask, given you'd done that for 14 years and done it bloody well, just to say, outstanding job, well done, look, we're going this way. And you would have copped that, just as I would have copped them, you know, saying, well, you know, we. but there's sort of this thing now that they sort of keep you, loosely speaking, on the books, don't use you, and then sort of 
try to act all affronted if you then do something else and you don't tell them. Well, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I've got to say that liquid modernity, I didn't know that there was a term for it. I'm glad there is because I need to convey it to my to my wife. You see, as you can imagine, since leaving SEN, I've knocked on as many doors as you could knock on. Mm. And I've got that that um, non-committal, I've never got a no, but I've not got a firm yes. And the problem is that I go back, obviously, it's very important to my family, what my situation of employees, and to just be left hanging and to be promised. And it actually has made me look as from those who have a vested interest as somebody who is either concocting stories or not following up leads. But that's exactly what's happened. Yeah, it's and, terrible. And, it's worse than being yeah. told no, being left dangling. At one at one radio station, I have had maybe 20 to 30 unanswered calls yeah. from no, somebody who, when I do have finally got to speak to that person, remains positive and talking about the future and then I try and follow it up and it's like try, it's like trying to place a phone call to Santa Claus. Yeah. And and the and part of that sort of the way that's gone now, they sort of there's sort of like this unwritten thing that when you do finally contact them, you won't bring that up and make them feel awkward about it. Absolutely. Well, okay, so I'm bringing it up. I don't think Hutchie will feel awkward about it, to be perfectly honest, but I'm bringing it up because I don't want people to think that I sort of was part of the problem. I wasn't part of the problem. I tried desperately to get some clarification on, you know, what opportunities I had, and I was given none. You've had the same thing. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And and forget the media. It's not good enough in any walk of life. It's just basic, common courtesy and I don't think it's too much to ask. And just as a final note, just listening to that audio, which I have for the first time today, as always, Damien Barrett remains um, a gentleman. You know, so he I like Damien a lot. No, I've I really like Damien. But he's always been a gentleman. So when he mentioned footyology, he mm. said very good podcast. Yeah. Maybe um a bit of <laughs> less effusive from Craig. But thank you, Damien, because I said always a gentleman and uh, hopefully we can, between podcasts, tussle it out in the top five in the next few weeks. Okay, so we'll wrap it up there. And yes, very indulgent. And look, Hutchie, if you're still if you're still listening, um, I, I do respect what you do. And look, it's not it's not the end of the world. I'm wrapped to be back at AW, and I'm being treated well, and I'm loving it. And it's sort of like being back home. So it's all worked out for the best. I I just think I don't know if I could. One last message that you might take away from this, just let people know what's going on. They don't, they're not asking for a lifetime commitment. They just want to know what's going on so they can sort their own lives out as you would want if you're in the same situation. And actually, from my perspective, I regularly fail to respond to Robin's emails and SMSs. And this is true, and it drives me absolutely batshit insane. Let's get on with it. On Footyology, previews with Punch. All right, they're going to be very punchy today. Another Thursday night game, and it's a big one. Two sides uh, badly underperformed. One particularly, the Demons, without a win. Sydney v Melbourne at the SCG. Thursday evening, 7.20. Um, what happens here, Finey? Oh, it's a, interesting that they brought in Braden Proust. Mm. Now, does that mean... The suggestion is that Max Gorn will head back of centre 
and offer some support to a defence that is, at the moment, screaming for Stephen May and Jake Lever because McDonald, Oscar and Frost, that is, Oscar McDonald Frost, not great. I just I think, think, fortunately, they're coming up against a forward line that's pretty yep. lacking in potency. I Look, I just think Melbourne, you know what, sometimes getting out of Melbourne going on a trip for a team that's struggling, together in the hotel, together on the flight, a little bit of just the 22 or maybe 23 of us, an extra player, a couple of coaches, have a good hard look at themselves, but do it internally might be the trick. I, I think Melbourne can win this game because for Sydney, that forward line is not functioning. Mm. And I just also believe, you know, Jared McVeigh is actually a big loss for them. Yeah, he he's is. a bit of a he's a generals and and becomes back of centre as well. So, yeah, I, I'm going to tip Melbourne. I don't know if that's an upset, but it is my tip. Uh, same. Um, and who would have thought we'd be talking about the SCG as being a disadvantage for the Swans? But they've lost eight games there in the past year, including their last three. So, uh, you know, all the attributes that uh, it offered the way they play footy are, are pretty irrelevant these days, seemingly. And Melbourne isn't a, sp- uh, a side with a lot of outside speed, so I think a smaller ground might actually suit them. So broad brush stroke, SCG was always a place where an inside mid flourished. Yeah. Are we saying, and I think we are saying, that Sydney's um, best inside mids have aged and have not been replaced by anything nearly as worthwhile. Correct. Yep. I think the next sort of midfielder to emerge there has been Jake Lloyd. And uh, from what I could tell in that Carlton game last week, he seemed to be used sort of back in defence again. So and Lloyd's a big ball winner. Yeah. But I don't know whether he's a first respondent. Or a bull. And yeah. and the other guys we're talking about getting into that midfield aren't either. And Heaney, who's playing too well as a forward to move anyway... And uh, Callum Mills is the other one. So, you know, you know Papley runs in there because of a lack of numbers. Kieran Jack comes back into the side, but they're little. You know, it should be a good ground for Oliver and Brayshaw. Yep, no, Melbourne for both of us. Okay. By the it, way, scores, you uh, picked up one last week. You got five to yes, 12. Yes. And I got four to 15, so it's 15-12. Good. You keep, you're going to keep this yes. all in your head every week, aren't you? I oh, know. I've got them written down. I'll, I'll write them down after the games. Yeah, I know. The way you operate is very effective, but it scares the crap out of me. I couldn't operate like that. Well, luckily, I'm not flying you in a plane anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> no way that's ever going to happen. Uh, Collingwood Western Bulldogs. Well, I don't have a pilot's license. <laughs> no, that's the main reason. Collingwood <laughs> Western Bulldogs at the MCG on Friday night. Um, Pies uh, back to earth really in the in the last couple of weeks after starting the season so well, and Bulldogs. What about them? They you know we're all singing their praises, saying it's 2016 revisited. <laughs> they get beaten by Gold Coast, uh, who can predict anything this year? Um, looks like uh, Tom Boyd, Jason Johannesson, Lynn Jong, Jackson Trengove could all be available for selection. Um, what do you think is going to happen? I. Just, I've got so many good memories of great games between Collingwood and the Bulldogs at the MCG. 1990, Stephen Collingwood. Collin- <laughs> <laughs> Was it a smother and a... a uh, I think he, he a, balked a man on the mark. Yeah. 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 
Anyway, go on. We're I thought he kicked it into the man on Mark and then he got the ball uh, back. Oh, jeez. Anyway, but it ago. was famous, wasn't 29 it? 29 years ago. Nevertheless, it's a great stage for the doggies because when you looked at the draw at the start of the season or the fixture, you would have thought they may be a bit lucky to get that game, but they've come into that game in good nick. Gold Coast were great against them. Bulldogs tried to exert a bit of muscle and sort of just wrestle the game off them. Maybe they learned a lesson, and one lesson is that English got taken apart in the ruck, so they have to have an alternative to English versus Grundy, otherwise the game will be lost every time the ball was thrown up by the umpire. I'm tipping the Magpies. I think it's a great opportunity for the Bulldogs to show themselves as a worthy team, and they don't have to win to do it. So I think Collingwood either way. I'm going for the Pies too. I think that midfield is hard to go past. I wonder how much time um, the Ruck coach has spent this week for Collingwood going through various setups with Grundy and the on-ballers. Because you couldn't help but notice last week, Grundy was absolutely dominant in terms of the hitouts, but it was West Coast that were winning the clearances and the contested ball. And um, effectively almost sort of roving to Grundy's ruck work. And I think, you know, the Pies would be very keen for that not to happen again. You look at that midfield in terms of the names, it's hard to surpass as the best going around. They should be getting more advantage from that than they are. That's true. Just a red light flashes about Collingwood's forward line. Cox and Majacek are the taller targets. Mm. They're both great stories, but are they penned in safe bets? And when Jamie Elliott is well held, and Thomas, then you know what? There's nothing. It's very hard to see them kicking decent scores. So you can't trust their forward line week in, week out. I think there's a few sides in that boat at the moment with key forwards who aren't necessarily, you know, John Coleman and Wayne Carey. Um, you know, Melbourne, like, for instance, Tom McDonald and Sam Wiedemann. You know, like, uh, there's not that same reliability with key forwards Mate, as they used to At the be. moment, then, most teams have a forward line that plays like Gary Coleman and Carey Grant. What you talk about, Willis? Oh, yeah, yeah. Webster or Webster or... No. Webster was Emmanuel, the other little Yeah, but chap. little people is what you're getting at, right? I'm talking about different strokes and the famous Gary Coleman, not little Lewis Emmanuel from Webster. Okay. It's like you have just, you have just compared the Marx brothers to, the, I don't know, the... Lost Trios ring Barkers. <laughs> they were good. There were they, no Marx Brothers. They were funny. No, they weren't. No, I'm uh, glad I came up with that. Yeah. Um, all right. It's been a strange week. I did Rock and Roll podcast yesterday and I'm still recovering. Um, Geelong GWS down at GMHBA Stadium. Now, this has, in terms of ladder positions and form or whatever, has a real match of the round feel about it. I just can't help thinking, finding it might be a bit of a damp squib. Um, GWS... Look, they've exceeded how I thought they'd go already this year, but that heavy defeat over in Perth worried me a bit. I'm just wondering if they're going to be a little bit like that. They'll be very good in favourable circumstances and uh, not so great in testing environments, one of which is Geelong. Their record down there is absolutely terrible. They've played there four times, lost by an average of 45 points, including early last year when they got absolutely taken apart by the Cats. And uh, Cats playing really good footy, looking terrific at the moment. So Geelong, for me, reasonably comfortably. 
This is where it is so good to have Cardinia Park to come home to. GWS, good, very good. You're talking about dysfunctional forward lines, not up there at Giants Stadium. Great sponsors too for the to find a company called Giants to yeah. sponsor their stadium yeah, is a good. great effort. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, you know, seven to Cameron, five to Finlayson. That works. Uh, Toby Green may be back in the side. Callan Ward will be back in the side. Geelong might be without Tim Kelly too, which should obviously make a difference. That's a big temptation for me. To t- I'm going to tip the upset. I'm going to go Giants. Really? I um, just think... It's brave. It's brave, but it's not... You, Kelly better not play. I didn't know he was in doubt. Well, ankle injury. Yeah. Come on. Don't play. Without I, That tips me. I think Kelly is super vital to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm tipping GWS regardless. I have to put my tip in. But I'll be, uh, I'll be emboldened when the teams come out and it's Sons Kelly. All right. GWS for Finey, Geelong for Rocco. Um, Saturday afternoon, Essendon, Brisbane, MCG, 2.10. Who'd have thought this would be one of the showpiece games of the round? But the Bombers, uh, perhaps not back in town, but approaching the fringes maybe. I thought that was a pretty good win over Melbourne last Friday evening. And Brisbane, just keep doing it. And every win, undefeated of course, and every win they have come from behind. So they're a fast finishing team. They look fit as, you know what, something that's very fit. Um, the kids a are... A Mally Trout. A Mally Trout. I don't know. Oh, how, so how do you tell a fitness of a fish? Oh, no, you can. Okay, no, we're not we're not doing this this week, Finey. We haven't got time. You asked the question. Yeah, I know, but tell Rhetorical? me... Tell me after we're finished. <laughs> how do you tell a fish's fitness? They have, do they have uh, fish um, fitness staff or something? Oh, no, let's get on with it. Um, <laughs> That's an... <laughs> You're an unfit fish. <laughs> um, I'm I'm going for the bombers here, Finey, because I think they're I think the leaders really stood up last week. Best game David Zarakis has played for a long time. I thought Dyson Heppel's captain's game was superb. And I just I might have said this last week too, but I just can't help thinking with Brisbane that you know, they've been fantastic and at some stage still a very young side. There might be some sort of psychological let down. They did have a very, very poor performance against Richmond at the G early last season. I'm not saying it's going to be that spectacularly awful, but I can see them having a bit of a letdown, and I think the Bombers really need to keep that momentum going, and uh, I think they're good enough to do it. Kyle Hooker may be back as well. There is a sense, I reckon everybody who puts their footy tips in this week will not be able to necessarily put into words why they tip Essendon, but most will tip Essendon because they feel exactly what you said, that Brisbane are probably due a loss. You know what? It's a very scientific analysis. But it's not... All right, why are they... Look, they're a young team that have had to um, dig deep three weeks in a row. They travel against a team that I stated earlier... Confidence means everything at Essendon, obviously. You just have to look at the games against St Kilda and Melbourne and say that cannot be the same team. I mean, it was Keystone Cops as compared to, not for the whole 100 minutes, finals football. It was so different. So you're going to take the team that's drawn some confidence the week before 
And you're going to say that if I'm tipping Brisbane at the MCG against Essendon, then I'm probably going to tip them to make the top six, which I'm not yet. So just to keep the big picture sensible, I'm tipping Essendon. Does that make sense? Yeah, and the Bombers have done this year exactly what they did last year, just in time enough to save a season. That was after eight rounds last year. They said, to hell with all this, you know, defensive mechanisms and just go out and play footy. And they've done that again. So I don't know why at the start of every year they have to sort of overburden themselves with, you know, like just go out and play footy. I think they do that pretty well. And yes, they might concede too many scores, but at least they're able to kick bigger scores. And that worked pretty well for Malcolm Blight's Geelong sides for a long time. Is there a team, maybe it's because of Kevin Sheedy, for whom coaching and the relationship between player and coach and style of play has been considered so integral to their performance as Essendon? Or is it just that Essendon supporters believe that they're a great team and the only thing that ever stops them being great is the coach or the game plan? They do have... Essendon fans do have a habit of overestimating their lists. Absolutely no question about that. I might have been guilty of it myself. Anyway, next few weeks we might have a more definitive answer to that. Yeah, sure. All right, so we're both going for the Bombers. Port Adelaide, Richmond at Adelaide Oval, uh, 4.05 Adelaide time. Um, Now, this is... 2002 Adelaide year. I don't know what you're talking about. They're about 17 years behind the rest of them. Oh, a cheap and nasty gag. They made a few of them on the front bar last night too. Um, You've been there lately? Every, everything's, uh, I haven't, everything's going wrong for the Tigers. So they go into this game, no Rance, no Martin, no Rewalt, no Cochin. So first time the big four, none of them have played for 10 years or something. And a player who's as good as them. Uh... Who are you saying? Who? Clayton Short. Oh, yeah. No, so big important. Miss. And uh, they do get Dylan Grimes back from suspension. Yes, Caddy might play. Uh, I think Basha Hooley's back. But I just, gee. I... And, you know, this injury run has come at the worst possible time, given that they divested themselves of a bit of that depth that they'd built up, you know, mm. with the departure of who? Corey Ellis, Anthony Miles, um, Conker... Who else went? Uh, Stengel. Um, so I've got to go for Port. I think Port's been really good. No, they didn't win last week, but a loss to, narrow loss to Brisbane. Nothing to be ashamed of at this stage. I mean, here's a side, Richmond, that have lost players. You know, they've lost players to injury, to accident. And they bring in a player last week. Sydney Stack. Yeah, bring in another one this week. Jack Ross, I'm told, will make his oh, debut. It's no Sydney Stack name-wise. Doesn't Sydney Stack sound good, good like a, Sydney Stack sounds like the... Um, to me, it's either a, a burger at a Sydney hamburger place, the mm. Sydney Stack, mm. which includes a hash brown in it for, yep. for particularly unhealthy patrons. Yeah, with a cheeseburger inside the hash brown. But to me, it's more the Sydney stack is like, three consecutive games of Big Bash cricket. It's the Hurricanes, <laughs> the Sixers, and then the Hurricanes again on a weekend that we call the Sydney <laughs> yeah, stack. One of those really bad nicknames. <laughs> hastily contrived nick. I was thinking sort of 1930s Hollywood comedian or something. Sydney stack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> it was good. Okay, can you talk about the game now? Port Adelaide win. Okay. Because of all those outs, because they're going well, because they themselves um, can boast a... a fa- Will Rockliffe play? He's, he got concussed as well. He's pretty important to them. Uh, yeah, I think he should. Okay, so he, he should come up. Because for mine, uh, Port, he got sort of accidentally, I think, knocked out by McGluggage. Anyhow, it was all accidental, but it was pretty serious. I really like, you know what I like about Port Adelaide? What? Their functional Ruckman forward. I know it's very rare, mm. but Ryder, mm. he's a, he's a, he's going all right. He, he, he causes a bit of mayhem. He can mark. I'm not saying he's getting heaps of it, but they're certainly working off him. These shorter ruckmen tend to do better in that yeah, forward role. I've always, mate, it's preaching to the choir because yeah. I'm telling you, I, I just if you're six foot eight and tall and lean, and that's why I think Joe Danaher, as spectacular he was even at his best, you know, because of because of their body size, they can so easily be hipped off the off the action. Do you know what I mean? Mm, they yeah. can be tipped over. Anyhow, I like Port Adelaide for this. All right, same. All right, uh, North Melbourne, Adelaide, Marvel Stadium, Saturday night, 7.25. Another crunch game. Kangaroos, 0-3. Adelaide, 1-2. Uh, Crow's forward line's been a shadow of what it was two years ago, isn't it? Walker not playing well. Jenkins not playing <laughs> Walker's well. Playing terribly. Eddie Betts not playing well. Aging, that, aging. That's been the that's been the most significant. Elise Lynch turned it around last week. Um, and North North can't get their heads around the new six 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 rules. Getting smashed out of the centre repeatedly and scored against out of the centre as well. Marvel Stadium. Um, I I didn't check, but I think Adelaide's record there's pretty damn decent. Um, I like playing there. And of two sides that aren't playing great footy, I think Adelaide is playing the least bad football. I was at the North game last week, and they started brilliantly, and then after 20 minutes, it just they just stopped. And Hawthorne sort of turned the screws, and North had nothing left to give. I think Adelaide's capable of doing that. I think the Crows are going to win. All right, North Melbourne have a GMHBA-type advantage... And they need it. They just, unfortunately, they haven't been able to call on it yet. This would have been such a good game for Hobart. Yes. They play down, they, they just enjoy it down there, don't they? Yeah. And if if you're able to name your venue. I think that, didn't they smash Adelaide down they there? Kicked, Adelaide were on, unbeaten. That's right. And they yeah. kicked 10 goals to nothing or Correct. something in the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah, they would love to be down there again, but they're not. And I'm with you. I'm tipping Adelaide. And why? Because North Melbourne at the moment have got a, to me, predictably predictable and therefore beatable back line, a just-going midfield, and clearly, with Ben Brown out of sorts, a dysfunctional forward line. I cannot make a case for them at all. Okay, both of us going for Adelaide. Okay, the Western Derby edition number 49. Uh, they say Derby, we say Derby. Um, you say tomato, I say tomato. 
Saturday. Do the next one. It's ridiculous. Potato, potato. No one. Anybody has potato. ever said potato? No, I think they took some. So can, uh, I have, can I have? Can I have Can I have some potatoes? <laughs> Maybe you do that in a Mexican restaurant or something. <laughs> Los potatoes. Actually, sounds like a comedy duo supporting Los Trios Ring Barkers. Um, West Coast. Geez, we're talking dribble. West Coast Frio off the stadium. <laughs> six ten Perth time Saturday night. What happens, Finey? After you have your potatoes. <laughs> potatoes? Is, is Spud Frawley a potato? Oh, no, no. <laughs> no. Get comment. on with it. Um, oh, even with Fife playing, I don't think he's going to play. Surely West Coast are a... I know these games throw up strange results, but they are now clearly so much better than Frio that even given the anomaly of a, a derby or a derby or a potato or a potato, West Coast will win. Um, doesn't the no matter where they are on the ladder factor no, apply here? that's what I'm saying. I think there's now enough separation and West Coast... Frio are going okay. Yeah, I don't think so. You don't really... You, so you're saying St Kilda didn't they play should, well, Frio were bad. No, no, St Kilda showed... They've showed in three weeks that they, they're... They're playing good football, but they don't they don't quite know how to pull the trigger. Look, I'll get to St Kilda shortly, but St Kilda had so many opportunities to hit the front for two quarters, and they didn't. And Frio really, they're not in West Coast class. No, they're not West Coast. And look, I tipped them to win the flag. I, yeah, I it's a good tip. Now, well, I, I couldn't believe more people didn't and, and gee, I did not gee they were impressive against Collingwood um, you know their midfield is tough uh, their defence is spectacular but you are correct when Rioli comes into that team yeah. that's like the absolute it's not cream on the top it's the it's it's the final piece of it's not a puzzle anymore it's the final piece of a picture that we've already seen it's like Yes, that's it. I tell you, time to start wrapping up their recruiting people too, because you know anyone could have picked Rioli, they didn't. Anyone could have picked Ryan, they didn't. What about Petrocelli? If, if he isn't the quickest footballer Ever, in the if AFL, if I hear that, if can somebody talk about him without saying he's the fastest player in the AFL? No, because it's his defining feature. Well, you know what? Let him play ten games in a row. Yeah. Of rigorous AFL football, yeah. And if he's still as fresh and fast, it's all right having a week off and then coming back. You know, yeah. Uh, football's rigors are yet to impact on his speed. You just made me think of those ads for Energizer batteries. You know, when they put them in a little bunny and it's still going. I reckon he'll still be going. No, he he is very fast. Of course, he's fast. But so many people are judging that on last week's game because a lot of people hadn't seen him before, even though he'd played. Actually, days. during the call last week, I mentioned the um, the US cop show, Petrocelli, and Tony Shaw was the only person who knew what I was talking about. I love Petrocelli. He lived in a... He, the, the feature of that program was. was that he was building his house. So he lived in the camper van next to the part-built house. And it became sort of the trend of shows of that era yeah. that all detectives had to live somewhere quirky. Well, if he... Do you know some other quirky places that they lived? Um, their mother's basement. Rockford lived in a camper van. Um, what about Colombo? He was very quirky. Oh, come on, fine. No, just very quickly. You take us off Quincy the M.E. lived on a boat. <laughs> Jack Klugman lived on a boat. And, and Ross... No, I, 
Oh my god, I called it Roscoe. The show was called Tanner, but his name wasn't Roscoe. Roscoe Tanner, that's word association. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, but Tanner lived in a garage. Yeah, well, every time someone mentions Quincy ME, all I can ever think of is that was on for a fair while and they got to the end and they sort of jumped the shark a bit and run, ran out of story ideas. And I remember seeing an ad for a show one night. It was Jack Klugman, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, it, the, the ad was about parent abuse yeah, yeah. and this sort of middle-aged guy saying to his elderly mother, go to your room! <laughs> And then a grab of Quincy and me saying, parent abuse is a serious problem. Well, they, they went from just, a, a, you know, he was a, a medical examiner or did autopsies. So they went from sort of mysteries to try and tackling, every episode was tackling some social, you know, prevailing social issue. My, You know my favourite thing with Jack Klugman? What? He used to come down, he liked to bet yeah. and, and owned racehorses. Yeah. And he was one of the first overseas celebrities to regularly come down for the spring carnival yeah and he was being interviewed by channel 10 yes bef- at sort of outside outside flemington and the interviewer only referred to him as quincy oh, no. <laughs> say so that was his name and every time he said quincy klugman too polite to correct him winced <laughs> it was great um it's a pity the show's not still going because here's another um issue they could tackle podcast diarrhea is a serious problem <laughs> overrun <laughs> who are you tipping what are we talking Did about? Did I not make it clear that I thought West Coast... Okay, was... we're both tipping West Coast. All right, no more sidetracking. Gold Coast, Carlton, Metricon Stadium, 2.40, Sunday afternoon. Oh, come on. We owe them fans of both clubs more than that. Gold Coast have been great, haven't they? They have been terrific. It's at home. Look, Carlton Cartons. hasn't been terrible. You wrote something on Footyology, and you can find it, footyology.com.au, about Mark say and he's uh, being a bit too easily pleased with how the Blues are going. Yeah, and, and that is in no way a crack at Carlton. It, it's mm. it's saying that... I don't think Brendan Bolton's been like that, by the way. No, I, I'm, yeah. I'm saying that Carlton people, especially their president, can't just pay lip service to another poor start to the season. Yep. No, it's a massive they game. They can win this, by the way. They can. I'm going to tip them. I'm tipping Carlton. Are you? Yep. Yeah, no, I think a few will. Um, there'll be a belief, I think, that Gold Coast might let their guard down a bit, being back at home and having had a very good win on the road. But uh, I think their form's good enough to stay with them, so I'm going for the Suns very narrowly. Final game of the round. And, uh, of course, rematch in the 1971 grand final final. And, and many great games in the 70s. Correct. Hard, tough games. Probably hardly any since then. Such hard. Oh, oh, no. No, there have been some famous right, games. Let's Hawthorne. not talk about them now. Well, hang on. Hawthorne came back from 60-odd points down. Oh, yeah, 1999. To, to sign Tim Watson's death warrant. death warrant. Yes, we both thought of the same phrase there. Although, funnily enough, he's still alive and hosting breakfast programs. Oh, yeah. Nathan Thompson Metaphor- was great that, metaphorical that afternoon. Death warrant. Yep. Nathan Thompson. G'day, Tomo, if you're listening. Uh, let's get on with it. St yep. Kilda Hawthorne, Marvel Stadium, 320. Marvelous. Sunday afternoon. I'll be there for 3 AW, 693, best footy coverage in town. 3 AW is football. What happens, no. Finey? Uh, I'm going to tip St Kilda. Why am I going to tip St Kilda? Because you barrack them. for them? Yeah, a little bit. I haven't tipped them yet this season. Look, Shields and Burgoyne remain... I, I understand that um, they've had some of that slack taken up by the returns of Scully and Wingard, but their midfield is thin a bit. Uh, I feel that St Kilda, with a bit more self-belief, would be three and zip, but more importantly, they'll welcome back Jack Stephen, 
They do play that ground well. And just quietly, I think they've got a really good ruckman. And I, I place great Rowan store. Marshall. Yeah, he's a good footballer, Rowan. And Spells his name incorrectly, but never mind. Yeah. He's not just going as Rowan. And here's an opportunity. Look, tough against Hawthorne because McAvoy and Segler make a good duo. But he's he's part of a midfield that's a bit underrated now with Jack Steele. And they're going all right, that midfield. All right. Uh, I'm going for the Hawks. Speaking of Ruckman, Ben McAvoy, if he isn't the most underrated Ruckman in the competition these days, geez, he was good uh, against North. He's good every week. And he gets forward and kicks goals. So... Still can't believe St Kilda letting him go. I can. Um, yeah, I know. We've, we'll have save that one for another day. I thought the Hawks were you know, a slow start last week and it looked like they'd been caught on the hop, but they just worked themselves back into the game and completely on top by the end of it. Very good uh, debut. Similarly, quiet start, but worked his way into it. Chad Wingard, real bonus for them. Um, and they were solid all over the park, really. That was without not only Shields and Burgoyne, but Jared Ruffhead, who was a late omission after being corked by Chad Wingard in a uh, training run. Can I just say one thing? St. You Kilda's can. big job here is to keep Gunston and Bruce quiet. That really is the key, I think, to keeping Hawthorne on the leash. And St Kilda's, this is a really underrated move. Had a player start his career last year as a forward, and surprisingly is now a backman, and he's bloody good Josh Battle, and I think Battle will battle Gunston, and I'm not scared for that matchup. So you're going for St Kilda? I am. Mm, taking some gambles this week. I'm going for the Hawks. Uh, I think it'll be tightish, but I think the Hawks, good enough to prevail. Okay, that's it for uh, previews with Punch. Let's wrap it up. On Footyology, the final word. I know you won't believe this, but this is actually going to be quick. It has to be quick. My final word, um, could have gone in Media Watch. I love the front bar. It's a great show. It's tapped into a a, uh, a niche that needs to be filled. What? The way you're saying there's a butt. Yeah, of course there's a butt. Um, well, I was watching last night. They had Paul Kelly on and great get. You know, he does very, very little me and it was great to see him again. Looked in great shape, incidentally. But he's not, you know, he's not an effusive speaker. Not that he's shy, but he just, you know, it's he's not a conversationalist. So you need to sort of sit back and listen to the stories he wanted to tell. And it just got really frustrating because Mick Malloy kept interrupting him. And Mick, I know you had to get through the gags and blah, blah, blah. And we're all guilty of it at times. But sometimes just sit back a bit and let the person talk. And um, uh, it was still a good interview, but it could have been a lot better. So... Uh, hopefully, Mick, if you watch that back, you'll see what I'm talking about. But, you know, who am I to lecture Mick Malloy, a giant of the uh, Australian televisual and comedic industries? Okay, that's mine. Televisual? Yeah. Who are you? Dory Evans from number 96. <laughs> Dory Evans from number 96. That just made me think of Lizzie Birdsworth from Prisoners, from Prisoner and bloody screws. And yeah, she was, there's an actress who actually smoked a lot on air. Yeah. You could cigarette sell. smokers, yeah, don't do make her mistake. You could hold the cigarette in the craters in a. In well, <laughs> come on, it cost, it cost well, her. We're in doing the it again. Here we are. Uh, my final word is always go to Andrew's Hamburgers, one forty four Bridport Street, Albert Park, because their burger with the lot has got the old favourites in there: beetroot, beetroot, pineapple, pineapple, an egg, an egg, bacon, bacon, and not no deer tongue, and no. Scented truffle 
pillows. What about Eye of Newt? They're not witches, mate. I know. You always think of that, don't you? When you think of a witch's broth or something, you always think of Eye of Newt. Of course you do, because isn't that what Shakespeare put in his? Oh, was it? With the three witches in Macbeth? I read Romeo and Juliet. I never read Macbeth. Could never get past the footnotes with Shakespeare. Bloody annoying. They do a Reader's Digest Shakespeare, I'll read it. You're a bloody written journalist. You should be ashamed of yourself. Oh, no, I'm a bit of a cultural philistine, I admit. Now, is that your final word, a sponsor's plug? No. Well, hurry up. Mixed Bartels and Co. Okay. that's Hardwick, uh, building company to the stars. Yep. Southeast of Melbourne. Yep. My final word is Ruckman, I think, is hugely important, but clubs should not fall into the trap of simply biggest is best. Uh, Campbell got picked recently, and I don't know whether he should have, and Bruce is in the team. They're big boys, but they're only good in the ruck. And you know what? If Biggest was always best in ruck work, then Dean Farnham, the Fitzroy recruit from South Australia, wouldn't have been a massive flop, and Bob Hurd would have won three Brownlow medals. Mm. What about Spider Burton? He was pretty good. He was agile for his size. Just on Spider Burton, he reminds me, or Oscar McInerney reminds me a bit of Spider Burton. He's a real cult figure, isn't he? The big O. And, and... Do you think it's just because his name's Oscar? No. Another McInerney's going to make his debut this week. Which one's that? Jack McInerney. For? Sydney. Hasn't he been picked on the wing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just very quickly. Speaking of, course, of very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Bob Heard. Mm. What two-word expression was used as a descriptive of his? It appeared in the Encyclopedia of Footballers, thank you, Holmesby and Maine, but it was also sort of associated with him and I find if I was Bob Hurd I wouldn't be too happy about it. What, but, he used it or? No, when describing Bob Hurd Yeah. This visual descriptive was used uh, in association with him and it's not a pretty picture painted. Cumbersome? Lantern jawed. <laughs> lantern jawed? Yeah. What does a jaw, Lan- a lantern like jaw look like? Get your Bob Hurd footy card and your Lantern George Ruckman. But lanterns can come in any shape. No, a big square. Okay. Big, you know, getting on towards sort of gigantism, I think. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's enough for this week. Uh, Thanks for listening. Um, Good luck for your team. Where's my head at, mate? This weekend. Hang on. Don't forget to... (laughs) Where uh, is my head at? Go get an Andrews hamburger. Go and get your house built by Nick Spartel. (laughs) Make sure you tune in to our Sunday review podcast, hopefully up online as soon as possible after the round finishes on Sunday night. You know how there used to be footy games between, like, networks? Yeah. I played in one of those. Played on Andy Marr. Yes. Uh, Could we have, like... Could we challenge? Podcast. Yeah. It'd have to be table tennis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to kick Hutchie and Barrett's butt. In All what? Right. Um, I don't know. Then we'll play table tennis. <laughs> All right. Where's your head at? I don't know where our heads are at, but uh, you did have some comments about where Dusty Martin's head's at. Maybe you should have a listen to this. Basement Jacks. We'll see you on Sunday. Where?